From the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, verse 26, the first thing that God gave to man was dominion. He said, let man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. So he's given man dominion. You have been designed for dominion, to have authority over all the power that hell can throw your way. The second thing that he gave man was seed in Genesis chapter 1 verse 29. It talks about that God gave unto man uh, a seed. If you'd open that up, if you could up there. In Genesis the first chapter of the 29th verse. I've given you every herb bearing seed. Everyone say seed. seed. So God placed seed in the garden for Adam to sow. And then in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. Let's look at that. We see very clearly that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So we see here the inevitable law of seed time and harvest. Amen. Now, when we walk with God, we believe that God will bless us. Now, it's very important that once he does and he opens up some doors for you, that you continue to honor him and stop thinking you're all that. Because, in fact, he's all that. We're in him and he's in us. Without him, we can't do anything. And in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, it, it identifies this in the message translation. It says, if you start thinking to yourselves, I did this all by myself. I'm rich. It's all mine. Look at verse 18. Well, think again. <laughs> Remember that God, your God, he gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is this day. Amen. So we see and we have learned in this series on the prosperous, blessed life that is, it is, in fact, the will of God for us to prosper. Amen? Amen? And to prosper has several definitions, too many to bear repetition right now. But a part of, not all of prosperity, is that you would have your needs met in abundance to the degree then that you can reach out to others and be a conduit of blessing for the glory of God. And that's why Jesus said, you know, if you'll just seek me first, my kingdom, he said, all these other things are going to be added to you. He is not the subtractor or the decreaser. He is the multiplier, the adder, and the increaser. Never said it quite like that before. Thank you, Lord. So it's about kingdom expansion. Amen? And uh, so we see then, from the book of Psalms, there's verse 27, that we are to declare, we are to say things continually. You that favor my righteous cause, Psalm 35, 27, yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in what? So God takes great pleasure in the prosperity of his sons, his daughters, his servants. But the qualifier of that and the condition of that is that you and I must favor his righteous cause. 
So when you look in the word of God, you see that his righteous cause, the main thing he came to do in this earth is he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He fed the multitudes. He cleansed the lepers. He raised the dead. I mean, he was something else. And he still is something else because the Bible says he's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you and I have been commissioned to carry out his cause on all the earth. That's why he said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. In my name they, believers, shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So there's a cause for you and I to be alive in the earth today. It's not just to watch the Niners this afternoon. It's not just to cheer the Raiders on as they pulverize my old favorites, the Minnesota Vikings. The purple people eaters. No, there's a greater cause than getting up and doing an 8 to eight to 3.30 or 4 shift. Amen? That's a part of our life, but that should not be all of our life. Amen? So we are on commission. We are on call. We are at the master's bidding to do the will of the Lord. And everyone said amen. That is an awesome thing to realize. So... If God is going to fulfill his mission in the earth, he's got to prosper his people. Because God works through the hands of men and women like you and like me. Now, I don't want anyone to get nervous. I don't want anyone to get up and leave. But I am going to be teaching along the lines of tithes and offerings today. And that's why specifically I received the offering up front. Because I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to get money out of my pocket into the church coffers. I'm trying to get something to you, not from you. Now listen to this stat. The word believe is used 272 times in the Bible. Pray 371 times. Love 714 times. But the word give is used 2,162 times. Amen. So I think that if we're going to be scriptorians and if we're going to be people that believe the word and live the word, we need to study the word. So what does the word say concerning tithes and offerings? Look at Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to look at the NIV. Malachi, the third chapter. First of all, he said in verse 6, and I want you to track it with me up there. I'm going to read it down in my notes. I, the Lord, don't change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from the decrees and have not kept them. Now notice he says, return to me and I will return to you. So does God want his people to return? And he says, the Lord Almighty. But you ask. How then are we to return? Notice with me the next verse. Will a man rob God? Now, Pastor Tom cannot rob me of something that I don't own. I mean, if I have $100 in my pocket and Pastor Tom wants it and pulls out a revolver after the service, says, Pastor, cough that $100 up. He can't rob me if I didn't own that $100. Well, God is the owner over all the earth. Amen. He owns it all. So he said, now, 
how will we rob you? He said, but you have robbed me. How? Verse 9. In tithes and offerings. And he says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Verse 10. Read it with me. Go ahead. Ready? Read. Now read verse 11. You're doing good. Go. Oh, that's good news, isn't it? Now, remind you today that I'm just giving you the word. Now, a lot of people don't tithe today for various reasons. One is they just don't want to. Right? We are made with a free will, okay? But there are others that don't tithe because they don't know and never heard to tithe. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I can remember back in 1975, I'd never heard about tithes and offerings. You know, when I went to church, I saw my dad, you know, put a dollar in the offering. And I thought, man, that's a lot of money. I mean, I thought that's how it was done. Well, you know, people that don't have light really aren't required to act on it. Are you listening to me? But once the lights come on, and once you see clearly in the Word what to do, then we're responsible to walk in the light. Now, why is that? Because it's the entrance of His Word that brings light and that gives light. And so perhaps today... The entrance of God's word will give you light. When I heard this the first time, the lights went on for me. And I made a quality decision. You know what? As for me, and I didn't have a household yet. But once I met Brenda, she already grew up in a tithing home. As for me and my house, we are tithers. And as a result of bringing our tithes now and offerings which is over and above 10%, that God said that he will do some awesome, wonderful things for your life. I'm telling you, there are blessings that belong to the tither. One blessing is this, an abundance of increase, but here's another one, and I love this. Protection protecting your goods and protecting your your things from being spoiled. How many of you can attest to the fact that you've got some things that have lasted beyond the warranty? That is not by accident. You know what that is? That's God being good to you. I read a story recently about an Egyptian man that owned a mill. And uh, a fire broke out his, near his mill and actually destroyed all the other mills in that area. And they were all in the same section of town. But his mill was kept safe. So they got real suspicious thinking that maybe this man started the fire because he wanted all their business. So they did an investigation. The attorney general questioned him and said, How can you account for the fact that your mill alone was saved while other mills were destroyed by the fire? He said, Simple. 
Listen to this. He says, God is my partner. He's my partner in the mill, and he owns a tenth of it all. All I possess. You see, he was a tithing man. I believe that's a pretty good answer. Protecting your goods. Protecting your goods. Giving you the ability, glory to God, to see the hand of the Lord real strong in your life. Now, something really interesting I read not too long ago. Brother Hagin in his book, The Midas Touch, talks about a gentleman by the name of T.S. Linscott. And he wrote a book back in, listen to this, 1888. 1888 called The Path to Wealth. Now, this man was a blacksmith, and he had a back blacksmith shop. And he would call in all of the religious leaders in their village and in their town, and he would call in all the other shopkeepers, and he would hold Bible studies in his blacksmith shop. I mean, this is a layperson, this isn't a preacher. And he wrote this book based on the revelation that he got of bringing your tithes to the Lord. It was questionable back then like it's questionable today. Come on there are people that will explain the word away. It's like Brother Moore said, they're walking around like this because they don't want to see the truth. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen tithing in the word. Well, open your eyes. Now listen to some of the things that he said. I read it in depth in the early service, and I'm not going to do that today. But he said the following, God pledges himself to open the windows of heaven and to pour out of his divinest blessings, overflowing blessings, heaped up, pressed down, shaken together, running over, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. He says, this is God's direct pledge for temporal blessings. And he said, I'm simple enough just to believe it. And he says, I intend to comply with the conditions and risk the consequences. I imagine the consequences were, you know, people coming against him for believing that. He said, it's a very easy thing for God to withhold or grant temporal prosperity. Stored up in the heavens is enough wealth to make every living man rich. And my God, whose pledge I have, can at any time open a little window and let down upon me a gentle shower of blessings. And it will provide for me and mine so long as we need temporal good. And then he kind of goes into a prophetic utterance. And he lists several scriptures, which I'm not going to quote But he talks about trusting in the Lord and doing good. And you'll be fed and you'll dwell in the land. And he goes over and over again on some of these things. And then he kind of shifts over into some prophecy. He says, our natural unbelief tends to put off the fulfillment of these promises until we get to heaven or to some time in the future. He said, unbelief hates literal and present tense promises. But these promises are literal and material. They are for here and they are for now. And they are to be enjoyed on earth. And they challenge us to a contract bargain with God. And then he starts saying. 
As I stated before, he promises money for money. You pay a tenth, says God, and I'll give you earthly and material blessings. Now listen, I will give your fingers skill as mechanics. I will incline employers toward you. You shall get the highest wages. Strikes shall not affect you. For I am with you. And I will see that you are provided for. And he says, as for you businessmen, I will make you prosperous businessmen. Listen to this. I will incline you where you can make good bargains. Sounds like favor. And not only that, but I will send the people around you to buy, buy, while the man next door who neglects my cause may become bankrupt. This curse shall not touch you. Oh, man, that's good. Are you ready for more? You want to go home? Some of you look like you might. Just stick with me just for a while longer. Come on now. Help a preacher out. Ooh, glory to God. I will look out for your bills when they're coming due. I will see that your bank is accounted sufficiently large. In a word, I'm your partner. And I will look out for the interests of your business. And for you thinkers, you thinkers, who earn your living by your brains, I will make your thoughts clear. I will give you the holy impulse to originate thoughts which breathe and words which burn. Your productions shall stir men's hearts. Your work shall be in demand. I will make people buy the productions of you and you shall be cared for. He's not done yet. He's prophesying. Seed time and harvest shall never fail. You farmers, I'm going to bless your crops. I'll multiply your stock. The blight and the mildew shall be kept from your farms. Remember, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will do to you as I did to them. Only remember me as they did. Now listen to this. And I will give health to all of you. Death shall not take away your little ones. They shall live to a ripe old age. And I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. These are the blessings promised by God himself in the Bible. And then he says, who among? Can't you just see him sitting in his blacksmith shop? A man's man. Not one of these meek and lowly, emaciated, anemic things. But a man's man who honors God. Who puts God first place. He lays it out before him and says, Who among this company will this day pledge his tenth to God? (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. I don't know whether that does you like that does me, but that's shouting ground. I preach myself happy already. I can go home and have lunch right now. But we do need to deal with a couple more things before we go. Because here's what you will hear if you haven't already heard it. 
This is a common thread among religious unbelievers. Yeah, but you're trying to put people under the law. Should Christians be bound by the Old Testament law, they'll say? Well, Jesus in the New Testament clearly affirmed his belief in the practice of tithing. Look at Matthew 23, verse 23. Put it up on the screen. He says, Woe unto you, you Pharisees and other religious leaders. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These things you ought to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying that giving money doesn't take the place of living right. God is not interested as interested in people's money as he is in their hearts. Come on. But Jesus said that you ought to tithe. Now, in the new covenant, tithing is an act of faith done by the gracious power of God on our lives. And so today, you and I should tithe by faith, not as an act of legalism. But as an act of faith. Turn with me quickly to Genesis 14. How many of you ever heard of a guy by the name of Abraham? Abraham's blessings are years. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you are an heir. Come on now. According to the promise. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 14 verses 18 through verse 20. And Melchizedek, and I want you to notice something about Melchizedek. The Bible says that Melchizedek was the king of Salem. In other passages, it says he was the king of righteousness. Salem was like the original Jerusalem. So Melchizedek, it is said, was the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. He is a worshiper and a priest before God. And it is said that he was ruling over Jerusalem even in ancient times. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, 3, you don't need to turn there, that Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy. He neither had beginning of days nor end of life, but he was made like unto the Son of God, a priest continually. Now listen to what this one commentator says. He says, because of this passage, some have thought that Melchizedek is actually a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus. And then others think he was something else. Now listen to what he says. I think it's interesting how he stated it. The question cannot be said to be settled completely. Otherwise, the identity of Melchizedek would have been agreed on by many Bible scholars long ago. But we can say at the very least, that he was a remarkable type and picture of Jesus. Now understand this. This is 400 years before the law. Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, he brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. Verse 19. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. 
And blessed be the most high God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave Melchizedek tithes, come on, of all. Oh, glory to God. So we see here that as a type of Christ, Melchizedek received tithes of Abraham 400 years before the law. And Abraham was called the friend of God. And he had sons. And his, you know that song, Father Abraham had many sons. You probably sang that in Sunday school. Amen. He had sons, Isaac and Jacob. They also honored the Lord with their tithes years and years before the law. Now I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 7. Verse 22. And I want you to notice this in the NIV. It also says that here that here men that die receive tithes. I want you to look at verse uh, 8 of Hebrews 7 first. Then we'll look at verse 22. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. One more time. Wake up. It's amazing how people just voluntarily check on you when you talk about children or tithing. Time for some of you to check back in. Get your, you know, get your apple out and say, you know, so-and-so just checked in at Heart of the Bay. Hallelujah. Say with me, for the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. Say, have mercy, Lord. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 8, it says, And here men that die receive tithes. But there he receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. I wonder who receives our tithes today. I tell you, we have a high priest who ever liveth to make intercession for us. When you honor the Lord with your tithes and offerings, he receives them for the glory of God. Now notice in verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 8, I want to look at the NIV. Ready, read. It says, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee. Oh my. Did you get that? You and I are living under a better covenant. And the Bible says that this covenant that you and I have entered into with Jesus is a better covenant and it is established upon better promises. Now, what does better mean? Better means gooder. Isn't that right? Now, there was nothing wrong with the Old Testament promises. I mean, there's some good promises in the Old Covenant. I said there's some good promises in the Old Covenant. Let me rehearse just a few of them for you today. Are you ready? Oh, thank you, Lord. In Genesis 15, the Bible says that God showed up to Abraham and said, I am your abundant compensation. I am your exceeding great reward. 
Later in a couple chapters, he said, I am El Shaddai. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. He said later on to Abraham, I will go before you and I will send my angel ahead of you and I will prosper you in the way. How about Joseph? He was bound up in Potiphar's house. But Potiphar noticed that Joseph was a covenant man. And he noticed that everything that God set before him prospered in his hand. They tried to put him in prison. They can't keep a good man down because he was a prosperous man in covenant with a covenant keeping God. In Joshua 1, 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of the mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Oh, hallelujah. Time would fail me to rehearse all the promises. In Job 36, 11, it says, If you will obey me, and you will serve me, you will spend. You will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Psalms 1-3 says, when you meditate in the word and you give your life entirely to God, you'll be just like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And whatsoever you do shall prosper. Psalms 1-12 says, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord God who daily loads us with benefits. David got a revelation of the God of yesterday, the God who does not change. David said, you know what? There was one time I was young. He says, but now I'm older. But you know what, guys? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed out begging for bread. David had a revelation of the abundance of God when he said, hey, the Lord's my shepherd. He didn't say I'm full of want. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil because he has prepared a table right before me in the presence of my enemies. This table that David sat on, the message says, he's prepared a six-course meal for me right in front of the devil. Glory to God. That tells me, that tells you that prosperity is in the old covenant. But oh, glory to God, we've got a better covenant established upon better promises. You look over into the New Testament. Shall I talk about what the new covenant says? My new covenant says in Matthew chapter 6 that you're better than a bird. God says that if he feeds all the sparrows worldwide, I mean billions of birds eat worldwide every day. Woo, glory to God. And the Bible says, are you not much better than they? And then you move over to Matthew seven eleven. He says, if ye then, being natural, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? Luke twelve thirty two says, fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And in John 10, 10, He says, the thief, he comes not but for to steal, to kill and destroy. And the Amplified says, but I am come that might have life in abundance to the full. 
Oh, come on, somebody. Tell it overflows. I said, tell it overflows. This covenant, I'm telling you, the natural realm talks about why well, I need a grant for this and a grant for that. But my Bible says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will grant you. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Shall I stop or shall I rehearse just a few more scriptures? You got a better covenant established upon better promises. That's why I declare the best is yet to come. Every day of my life, I get up and say the best is yet to come. Why, pastor? Because he's saving the best for the last. Somebody says, I can't see how it could get much better. Just watch and hide. It's going to get better and better and better. Because we're going from strength to strength. Glory to glory and victory to victory. Glory. Shall I stop now or shall I just rehearse a few more scriptures? Shall I just give you a little more fuel for your Thanksgiving meal? Shall I stop now and shall we give the benediction? No, we'll not stop. We'll never shut our mouth. We'll shout from the rooftops that God is a good God. God's a faithful God. If you honor him with your tithes and your offerings, he will open the windows of heaven. Oh, my, 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 Romans 5, 17. The Bible says that when we receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, that you and I will reign as kings in life by one Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 says that he's the redeemer from the curse of the law. And if you be Christ, you're Abraham's seeds and heir according to the promise. Come on, somebody. Philippians 4, 19 says, but my, 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 God shall supply. I don't know where it's going to come from. I do. It's going to come from God who's opened the windows of heaven. He will. Just like Abraham. Answered his son Isaac. Isaac was laying on the altar. And he asked, My father, I see the wood, I see the fire, I see the altar. Where is the offering? And Abraham said, My God shall provide. And you know what? You serve the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Things may have gotten tough, but what ought to be coming out of our mouths continually, if we are obedient and serve the Lord with our giving, my God will provide. Say it real strong. My God will provide. I've seen the bills. I've seen the contract. I've seen the date come near. What do you say, pastor? I say, my God will provide. And I rest in the Lord. I wait patiently for him. Oh, pastor, you're a fool. Don't call me no fool. I ain't no fool. Because I've seen that this word is true. And this word works. And it works when it's put to work from an honorable heart. And the Bible says that he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond our highest hopes, thoughts, dreams, and desires. Oh, glory! According to the power that's at work in us. Yes, the devil will make it look dark. 
But you are not those that are living in the dark. You are those that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in the light, you bring your ties to the Lord. And in the light, you'll see more light. And in the light of God's perfect will and God's perfect plan, you will see provision all around. You will not only see provision for your own life, but you will see provision for your offspring. For I have declared in my word that wealth and riches shall be in the house of those that are in right standing with me and that your seed shall become mighty on the earth. So you then are examples to those around you. If you will honor me, says the Lord, I will honor you. I will honor you with my presence. I will honor with you with my provision. I will honor you with my strength. And I will honor you with ingenuity beyond your capability in the natural. For I am not limited, says God, to your talents and to your abilities. If you will tap into my goodness, I have a great reservoir on hold just for you. Oh, the windows, the windows are open unto those who will obediently serve me with all of their might and with all of their strength. Who will say, yes, Lord, that's me. Even if you don't understand this message, you ought to be having a heart where you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're redeemed from the curse. We are redeemed from the curse. I can point to you person after person in this church that has been able to give way, way out beyond the ever dare thought, asked or dreamed. Way, way out. Because we serve a big God. Now listen very carefully. A blessed life, a prosperous life, means having His supernatural power working in us. Now listen to this statement. A blessed man may not be wealthy by the world's standard. But he enjoys a quality of life that billionaires would envy. You think about Howard Hughes? I don't envy Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes died a poor man. Howard Hughes died bankrupt spiritually. Though he had millions and millions and millions of dollars. He was so bound by fear that he literally could not leave his hotel room. He was bound by the fear of contamination and by the fear of germs. Listen, friends, only Jesus can take that kind of fear out of your life. Only Jesus can heal the broken heart. Only Jesus can restore a life that is in shambles by sin and restore it and make it pure and holy unto him. And so when we're talking about prosperity, understand this, a blessed life is a life that honors God in every area. Not just their finances. Amen? Did you get anything out of this message today? Let's all stand to our feet. Glory to God. Well, I've done my best to deliver this word in two services. By the uplifted hand, let's just raise our hand and say with me, Yes, Lord. I answer the call. And I step up. And I stand up to do your will. The entrance of your word has brought light into my life. I will do what I have heard 
I will obediently, by faith, step out, step up, and honor you. Not only with my tithes, also with my offerings, but my complete life. I'm asking you, Father, to give me seed, not to eat, but seed that I may sow. Put your hand over your heart and say, I'm a blessed man. I am a blessed person. I am blessed. Coming in. And I am blessed. Going out. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make me, that you would make our church even a greater blessing in the Bay Area and around the world. Together we shall reach, together we shall heal, and together we shall mature. And we shall all hear those words, heart of the Bay, well done, good and faithful. Sons and daughters, enter in now to your wealthy place. Enter in now. Come on to the joy of the Lord. Father, just let there be joy in your house right now. Let the joy of the Lord rise up. Let the joy of the Lord rise up real strong in the homes.